You hear about Chaotic Wrestling's past on Let the Chaos Begin. But if you want to see its present and future, then go to Chaotic Wrestling Live. You can see all the Chaotic Wrestling action live and in person across New England. Go to chaoticwrestling.com slash tickets to see the current schedule of shows and to purchase tickets. It's all the action of Chaotic Wrestling live at chaoticwrestling.com. Are you a wrestling fan, but you've always wanted to get in the ring? Do you want to follow in the footsteps of superstars like Donovan Dijak and Flip Gordon? Then check out the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. At the NEPWA, you can live your wrestling dreams and train the best pro wrestling school in the Northeast. Check out NEProWrestling.com for information on joining and about their upcoming fantasy camp. It's NEProWrestling.com. Start your pro wrestling dreams today. Good evening, Lowell, Massachusetts. And now, presenting a joint production of For the Pops and the NAI Network. The following contest is scheduled for one fall. A verbal history of chaotic wrestling by the two men who were there from the beginning. Hall of Fame ring announcer and commentator, Rich Palladino. He is the current reigning and defending chaotic wrestling heavyweight champion. Former owner of Chaotic Wrestling for nearly two decades, Jamie Jamakowski. No blood, no cursing, stay off the barriers. It's time to let the chaos begin on the NAI Pop Network. My name is Jamie Jamakowski, small business owner and former owner of Chaotic Wrestling. And we are here for another special edition of Let the Chaos Begin a co-production of the New Age Insiders Pop Network and For the Pops. As always, I'm joined by ring announcer Rich Palladino. Rich, how's your summer going so far, my friend? Uh, this is not Jamie. Ah, uh, gotcha. I wanted to see how long I could fool everybody, and uh, I didn't. But uh, with Jamie on vacation, because as you understand, uh, Jamie is uh, legally required to relax for at least <laughs> 30 days over the summer. Um, and he is, <laughs> he is out in Hawaii stopping lava, turning volcano monsters into pleasant hills at the end of Moana. Oh, Jamie, wow. Jamie Jemikowski uh, out on the Rainbow Isle and unavailable, but... At the New Age Insiders, we keep this train rolling. And Rich Palladino is available. Rich Palladino, how is your summer going so far, by the way? Uh, I'm not in lavish Hawaii, but I am in uh, beautiful uh, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. So, I mean, uh, it's not quite Hawaii, but it is my island paradise, I guess. Rich, uh, fun trivia fact about Cape Cod. The reason it's uh, named Cape Cod is because in the late 1600s and early 1700s, cod were so abundant in Massachusetts that they were often used as currency. And so to celebrate that, they named it Cape Cod. That is a true thing. You're welcome. Well, uh, that, I, I appreciate uh, the, the fun facts because I'll tell you, after being down here for almost a week, I wish I could pay for some of the stuff I've paid for down here with COD. Okay. Because uh, it would be much better than every time we go out to eat. It's uh, it's definitely three figures. So uh, I just can't wait to get home. Let's just put it that way. How's that? I can't promise you COD, but maybe we can work on Jamie increasing your pay scale. Oh, God. Is your favorite wrestler Finn Balor? Oh, oh God. Gee. Oh, Jesus man. Christ. Oh, man. Oh, we have, we have fun. 
the, the funny thing is I was just getting messages from Anthony Green before we started, and I thought all the bad jokes would be right there. Nah. But you guys have trumped AG. This is fantastic. Uh, holy Trump. mackerel. That's all. <laughs> that's hard to do. All right, Rich, we're going to try to save this show oh, from the please. jaws of defeat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. No one's this listening. This one's jumped the shark already. Oh, it really has, my friend. Good stuff. Uh, but uh, Rich, one of the one of my favorite parts of what the chaos begin really is getting to know more about you um, and Jamie. I feel like I get to know you more as people through your stories and basically the way you react to some of the incredible things that have happened throughout the history of the promotion. Um, and one of my favorite things to do is learn more about you guys, like I said, as individuals as well as professionals. And so you've been a ring announcer now for how long? How long have you been doing it in total? If I make it to October, it'll be an even 25 years. That's amazing. But you, yes. but Chaotic wasn't your first stop, right? So you had been a ring announcer in the industry prior to signing on with Chaotic Wrestling, right? Yes, sir. I started in 1993 with the Boston bad boy, Tony Rumble. Wow. I love wrestling nicknames so much <laughs> like i just i like sincerely the boston bad boy tony rumble i wish i lived in a world where that could be somebody's actual birth certificate name uh, <laughs> but what were your experiences like getting into ring announcing was it always something you wanted to do did you just i a lot of people i've talked to in wrestling they found their groove if they weren't a wrestler themselves because the promotion had a need and they were willing to step up and fill it so did you get into ring announcing by happenstance or was it a passion of yours? How did you kind of get going in the first place? Uh, ring announcing was always the goal. Um, when I was a kid, I thought it'd be really cool if I could become a professional wrestler. And then I kind of looked at my body type and my level of athleticism. And other than being a lineman um, in high school football, um, that was pretty much the extent of it, that and Little League Baseball. So I didn't feel like I had the physical tools, but I knew that I would have uh, success as an announcer just based on my personality and I'm very outgoing and I'm not shy in front of a microphone. So I always wanted to be that guy. I always wanted to be the announcer that I never saw on TV. I wanted to just kind of have my own spin, have my own twist and and what have you. And that was the goal from day one. It was just a matter of how was I going to get there, you know? Who gave you your first, you know, big break, uh, other than the, the Boston bad boy, but which promotions kind of called you back for the first time, gave you an opportunity to maybe become the voice of their promotion, which you certainly have become for Chaotic Wrestling. How did you know that you had kind of found your groove? Uh, ironically enough, the first promotion I worked for was the old Century Wrestling Alliance out of New England that Tony ran. Um, but I had met him by chance through another guy, um, a guy from New York, uh, whose name was Gordon Scazzari. And he has since passed away, as has Tony. Um, but Gordon, um, I don't want to call him a trust fund baby, but the first time I picked up a payday from him, it was from the estate of his parents. Um, wow. I believe that I believe that he had lost both of his parents in some kind of accident or something. So he had inherited a bunch of money and he ran an indie show at the Lowell Auditorium where everybody runs now. And um, it was through that taping that I started networking and finally met the guy that ran that show who introduced me to Tony. And, you know, it's, it's a much longer story that... I think it's something that Jamie kind of wants to tap into um, when October rolls around for my 
silver anniversary, I guess they call it, or is this platinum? I don't know what it is, but I wouldn't expect um, that watch. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. But yeah, so I had met this guy, Gordon, introduced myself, said, Hey, I was at your show in Lowell. I've always wanted to be a ring announcer. You used like five different people. It didn't seem like anybody wanted to be the ring announcer that night. So I kind of just sold myself and ended up just keeping in touch. And just by chance, he introduced me to Tony. And then I started working with Tony in 93. So uh, very interesting. How long were you announcing before you found Chaotic? And how did you find Chaotic? So I had been announcing since October 93. So just under seven years, I had been ring announcing because Tony Rumble passed away in November of 1999. Okay. And Chaotic started up in 2000. And um, Hall of Famer, extreme strongman Gino Martino had reached out to me and said, hey, you ever heard of Chaotic Wrestling? And I was like, nope. And he's like, oh, well, they're doing this big show in front of like 10,000 people at Loco Bazooka, which was the old uh, WAF outdoor concert series, mm-hmm. which I think they still do. Um, but I had Pat's tickets that day, as I've told that uh, story with Jamie. So... I turned down the Loco Bazooka bookings. It was on a Sunday uh, in September of 2000, and I had Pats tickets and did not want to miss the Pats game and didn't know what the hell Chaotic Wrestling was, let alone didn't know anything about it. So, yeah. um, But I did their next show, which was a couple of weeks later in Wilmington, Mass. So I had been doing this for seven years, but it was uh, very different working for Chaotic than it was for everybody else. Was there? What Did you work Loco Bazooka too? <laughs> Was there you a Loco what? Bazooka too? I, I think there have been multiple Loco Bazookas, but Chaotic was only part of that that one back in two thousand. Loco Bazooka. I couldn't even tell you any of the. I couldn't even tell you any of the bands that were playing, but um, it wasn't enough to pull me away from uh, uh, Gillette Stadium. Or I think at that point it might have been. So, uh, that, it was the old it? Foxborough. Yeah, yeah. Was Foxborough Stadium. Yeah, Loco Bazooka yeah. sounds like a Pitbull album. Now I want that to be true. Uh, <laughs> so you started working for Chaotic Wrestling, and really, if you got on board in 2000, you were there, you said, almost from the very beginning, second show. So we'll call it right yeah. from the very beginning. How did you know? When did you know, and how did you know that you were working for you know, a, a different promotion, a special promotion, something that would, one way or another, lead to you working for 25 years? Uh, what were kind of the telltale signs that Chaotic was a different place? Uh, just the fact that it wasn't run by you know the local champion or the local disgruntled indie worker that you know may not have found his niche in another promotion and just decided to start up his own thing chaotic was run by businessmen that was the biggest difference was it was you know jamie it was randy miller it was ben lentini um at one point i think jamie and i were counting there were five or six different owners none of them were workers none of them were referees none of them were announcers they were just Five, five guys that loved wrestling wanted to start a new business and said, let's open a wrestling company. Um, so when you kind of look at the indie scale back then, uh, the, land, the, the landscape, I should say, um, you know, nobody was investing in merchandise and, um, you know, legal binders. And uh, I don't know what it's called, but when you, you subscribe to something so you can use copy copyrighted music on your show sure um they were doing all these things that nobody else ever did um and they doled out contracts as jamie and i kind of um 
talked about in our ownership episode. I mean, we had contracts. I mean, we were like those that had contracts were like the most hated people in independent wrestling because it was unheard of. Who the hell, who the hell are you, Mr. Wrestler or Mr. Announcer, to have a contract to say you can't work for any other indie? What makes you guys better than us? Well, you know, the contracts didn't last long, but I think Chaotic's proven, <laughs> yeah, to be you know the dominant force here in um, in New England for going on eighteen years. So. Um, but that was it. It was just very different. It was run like a business. It wasn't run like, yeah, we might have another show in six weeks. We'll give you a call. It was like, hey, here's our next like five or six shows. Which ones are you available for? Oh, better yet, here's a contract. Stop working for everybody else. You have guaranteed money to work these six shows. You know, it was just that atmosphere alone was unheard of in my you know, seven short years in the business at that point. Yeah. And I mean, it, that kind of security in the independent wrestling, like at any level has got to be reassuring, you know what I mean? Because so many people, whether it be workers or refs or ring crew or announcers are basically taking it, you know, week by week, you know what I mean? I'll see, hopefully that something worked out and I'll see you next time for you to get, you know, five basically guaranteed dates, you know, has got to be pretty reassuring. And I, and I think the best thing that chaotic did with those contracts was even though it, like you said, it didn't last forever. I think the illusion of that—that's probably not the right word—the aura of exclusivity and knowing that if you went to a chaotic wrestling show, you were primarily going to get this core roster. You know what I mean? Because the one of the things about, especially New England independent wrestling, is you can go to five shows in a month and probably see eighty percent of the same people. Except if you go to a chaotic wrestling show. You might see some of the same overlap. People do work around, but at least they have stories and at least they have things they're coming back to. At least they're involved in programs. You know, right now, for example, something that's, you know, 18 years later, you know, Christian Casanova is in a program with the champion. So I don't need, I would be surprised if he wasn't at the next show. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, so many of these indie shows are just like, yeah, this is what this card looks like this time. And there'll be no further continuation of anything. And I think that's what sets Chaotic apart and has for, for a very long time. What are I agree. What are some of the early... I, I just want to know, whether it be Chaotic Wrestling, your early days in ring announcing, did you ever do something that makes you go, oh, it, is it, it's funny now, but horrifying then? Did you ever forget a card so you didn't know somebody's name or weight? What were the growing pains of becoming a ring announcer, whether it be for Chaotic or just kind of in general? Well, that's easy because it wasn't even so much the ring announcing as it was the commentary. It was pretty much like I had established myself in seven years as a decent ring announcer. And I think it helped that I worked for um, the original ECW for almost three years. Sure. That kind of helped get me a buzz and get me more bookings because they figured if I was good enough to work for Paul Heyman, yeah, then I think he might be able to add something to our show. Um but so it wasn't the ring announcing that was so much, um, you know, nerve wracking. It was the commentary. And this is the God honest truth or shoot, however you want to say it. But the very first time I sat at the announce table with the Milo Masterson in Wilmington at the Shriners Auditorium, I sat down, said, welcome to Chaotic Wrestling, blah, 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 just for commentary because they did have like TV deals they were working on and stuff. So we were doing everything filming for TV. But as I started speaking, I could hear my voice playing over the speakers to the audience. That was the biggest thing that I would scratch my head. And I'd literally put my hand over the microphone. I'm like, 
hey, Milo, um, I think you guys have this wired wrong. The fans can hear what we're saying. And Milo's like, oh, no, no, we want to be different. We want Ooh. them to hear the commentary during the show. And I was just like. That's terrible. Wow, that's awful. I'm like, we are just going to kill the credibility not only of ourselves for, you know, not calling, you know, the nefarious heel rule breaking stuff that's going on right in front of our own two eyes, but we're killing the credibility of the referee and pretty much everything else that goes into a professional wrestling match. Um, and it took a few, oh God, I'd say a couple of months anyways, before I finally convinced everybody, I'm like, no, this, this is not good. This is not good business. And there was one show we did in Wonderland, um, the old Wonderland dog track in Revere, where ECW used to run. And I was doing the commentary, and I think it was Gino Martino against um, the late John Cronus of the Eliminators. And Milo and I were doing the commentary. And at one point, Cronus just looked right at me. Am I allowed to swear on this? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, it's your show. <laughs> he just looked over and he said, Rich, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I was just that was it. I just pulled myself away from the table, uh, and I didn't say another freaking word because he and he and Martino were having this like big blood bloodbath feud, whatever. But it's like we're sitting there talking, yep. and it's it's being played over the speakers. That's got to be annoying for any wrestler too. So that was the biggest growing pain. Um, you know, I, I mean, like I just can't imagine like being in there because even if you're a wrestler. You know, like if I'm, a, I'm in the crowd, it's killing my experience here because it's just like, look, I know, I know that everybody else at home, quote unquote, is experiencing this, but it's just not the live experience. And then if I'm in the ring, like, say I'm trying to tell a certain story, and the commentary team didn't pick up on that, and so I'm getting frustrated, and I'm just trying to, you know, hammer that story into the ground and maybe overdo it. That just sounds terrible. Um, yes. But Rich, so you meet Jamie, um, who when you first started there. It was Jamie, and who else was the... Because I know the, the early owners of Chaotic Wrestling have kind of shifted around, and the first investors aren't the final investors kind of thing. So you meet Jamie, you meet the other guys. Did you just click right away? Was it that you did such a great job on the first show that they were like, yep, it's you, no problem? You know, Talk about the chemistry and getting to know the guys and getting familiar enough to eventually become the voice of the promotion. Yeah, in all honesty, I didn't know any of them. Um, Randy Miller... Uh, Jamie and uh, the gentleman I had mentioned that I did commentary with Milo. Those were the three owners that I knew of. They were the ones that had the chaotic wrestling pullovers and the chaotic wrestling varsity jackets and whatnot. Yep. I knew that those <laughs> were the guys that ran the company. Um, I became very friendly with all of them over time. Um, you know, I've even said it to Jamie. Like at first, I thought Randy was the guy. I thought he was the guy, and he and I were. Uh, we we hit it off right at the get go. Um, I'm not sure who on that team exactly seeked me out, or if it was on a recommendation from Gino or what what have you. Um, but I became very friendly with Randy to the point where um, he and his girlfriend at the time, and me and my wife at the time, would get together on a Saturday night, or he'd come to my house and we would put booking ideas together and stuff like that. Um, Jamie and I became very friendly just through the shows and, and built a friendship that's gone on for almost 20 years. And then Milo and I just had uh, a, a good chemistry behind the microphone as commentators. So I was in good with the management team. I, I was never, and this will sound egotistical, but I was never at a point where it's like, oh, wow, I have to really impress these guys 
to hold my spot. It was like, no, no, they wanted me on the roster. They offered me a contract. So it was very, it was very comfortable. Like I had worked for Tony for six years before he passed away. I never felt like, you know, I was going to be gone at any point, but there were times where Tony and I had disputes. Um, if I wanted to take an ECW booking over one of his bookings, we had a big fight about that. Um, I didn't worry about that at Chaotic. One, because I had the contract, so I knew I wasn't going anywhere else. I had already told seven other promoters, hey, I can't work for you anymore. Um, but I felt very comfortable in my role, and I settled into it, and they were very complimentary of my work. So it felt very comfortable. So I was in good with management. And, um, you know, it, it, it felt like job security. And I guess 18 years later, I guess it still feels like job security, even though it's new ownership. But um, let's face it, Brian Ferry and I have been friends for years. So... Um, you know, it's, it's been my home. I tell every other promoter that I work for chaotic has my first bookings. That's just the way it is. Um, but that kind of goes back to one of the differences between chaotic and everybody else is having a year's worth of bookings well in advance. Yeah. I mean, I see you every third, every third Friday and there's never been a point where I'm like, hey, I wonder if Rich will be here next time. Like, no, you better be there next time. It's Rich. You, what, are we gonna, what, are, what are we going to do if you don't yell at the chaos begin? It's the name of this show. You know what I mean? Like, we just, we have to. Rich, so you talked a lot about what it was like with working with Jamie and the organization aspect. And really, that was what set them apart in 2000. What do you think continues to set Chaotic Wrestling apart? You now aren't exclusive to chaotic wrestling. You're free to work other promotions and I've seen you at other promotions. So what does chaotic still do? Whether it, you know, maybe, you know, if you want to use the word better than other places, I know Jamie wants you to use the word better than other places, but you know, what is chaotic, (laughs) what is chaotic still doing well? And yes, if that means that they're doing things better than other promotions, what are those things? Chaotic is just, it branded itself in 2000. Chaotic isn't just an indie promotion. It's a brand. It's, it's, it's where people aspire to work. I mean, JT Dunn, our heavyweight champion, has told this story repeatedly. This is where he always wanted to be. And he even said it in, one, in an interview, said, this is where everybody aspires to be. And it's true. I mean, if I could have every single indie guy that I love working with in Chaotic, we'd have to run more than every three weeks or whatever that may be, 18 to 24 shows a year. Um, it's just, it, it's just become the place to work. I think because of the professionalism, it's run like a real company. It's not run, but like I said, by, you know, disgruntled former workers from another promotion or what have you. And just the fact that like you guys had alluded to earlier, it's, it's very storyline driven. Every every person on that roster has a role in the company. And it, it it's become a place where if you're booked for Chaotic and you're in a program, you're not taking another booking over a Chaotic show because of the vision and the direction of where the company's going. I think that's been the biggest difference. Whereas, and I have done plenty of these shows in almost 25 years, you take a booking, so do a bunch of other wrestlers, you don't have a lineup. You get there and it's just, you know, a piece of paper goes up on the wall with a bunch of matches that hadn't been planned for or advertised. Just that bunch of random independent wrestlers are going to be on a show. You know, I'm not saying that for all promotions that aren't chaotic because there are a lot of companies that have been around actually longer than us, guys like Top Rope, that have their own champions and their own 
programs. But I think the difference between everybody else and Chaotic is those things. It's run very professionally. It's steadily run in the same venues. We have our towns and we have our buildings and we have a core base of fans. Now, granted, some of our fans don't stray from certain venues. If they go to Lowell, they may not come to Woburn and vice versa. So the job is how do we get them to do so? Um, so it's just, it's just, it's always growing. It's always changing. Um, but it's just become, it's become the place to work in New England. How long did it take for the roster to kind of like I, what I would call, you know, buy in? So if it's your first, you know, did you notice so like early on, right? The core guys, right? Which were seeming like from the old pictures that I've seen, the core guys in the early days seemed to be like Psycho and Malonis and Fury and maybe the Logans. Um, but regardless of who the names actually were, say that this wasn't, maybe it was because Kalik was their first gig or something like that. But how long did you see before the roster really bought in? And the expression that we've always heard is chaotic guys. You know what I mean? How like you, they were, they was, they might work a couple other dates to get, you know, to get out there, but they were the chaotic guys. How long did that take? And do you still think that's as strong as it was, say, 10 years ago? Absolutely. I, th- I think there is a core chaotic roster that people do look at. And if they see these these um, guys or girls working on another show, they will say, oh, he's a chaotic guy or she's a chaotic girl. Um, but it was probably the first couple of years before it was like full, firmly established. I think that when there were multiple owners, um, the talent that they selected to be the core guys, the core contracted guys, um, that I think was just, I don't want to say a rash decision, but it was just like, Hey, we know these guys. Let's make them our guys. We had a great core of rosters from the one night stand, Gino Martino, Ali Muhammad, Kyle Storm, uh, John Walters, all these great athletes that brought different things to the table. But slowly when our affiliation with Kilikowski school came about, you saw a, a changing of the guards Um, and it became a different chaotic roster. And then when chaotic opened their own school, that's when they became chaotic guys. Cause there was a point where it's like, yeah, well we like these guys, but if they're not training and they're not on the same page as everybody else on the roster, if they're not training at our school. Yeah. Well, maybe they're not going to be as regularly booked here as the others. That's when it became the chaotic guys. I'd say when the old chaotic training center, now the New England Pro Wrestling Academy opened. I can't remember what year because I'm getting up there in age myself. But it was a few years after we opened the company, maybe two, maybe two to three years after we opened the company that um, all of a sudden we had a school. And that's when, like I said, everybody came. It was a chaotic guy, chaotic girl, whatever, because they were part of the school. Part of the promotion. The promotion was obviously more inclined to work with the kids that were training at the school, and for the reasons you said, it made a ton of sense. Did people have? Did the wrestlers have the same incentive, whether it be to stay in that school, to want to be chaotic people? Do you think that that lore was you know very real early on? Like you know, for example, you know Todd Warbeard Hansen seems to be really hooked on chaotic wrestling and is constantly putting over the promotion and really considers it his home base. Do you think that that was an easy process? Because you know, like I said, it's I understand why promote like the promotion wanted the kids. Why do you think the kids wanted the promotion? I think for the exposure, for the regular bookings, 
and for the um, very early and still current affiliation that we've always had with WWE. Um, you know, Jamie and I kind of talked about it in that ownership um, episode uh, on episode three. Sure. You know, I said, how, how did Chaotic get that relationship with WWE? And Jamie's like, oh, it was real tough. We asked. <laughs> where everybody else aspired to, that's where the, chain, the, the difference of the, the businessmen running this company, that's where the difference comes from. Because everybody wanted to have some kind of affiliation with WWE. So did Chaotic. But the difference is they went about it by putting in a phone call to Stanford and being like, hey, we'd like to come in and show you our portfolio and explain to you why we want to be your your contact for independent wrestling in New England, for extras and uh, for workers and backstage extras and whatnot. And I think that's why everybody became so invested in wanting to be a part of Chaotic because they saw the guys that were affiliated with the school they saw that we were, uh, for lack of a better word, in bed with WWE. We were their go-to. And, you know, you don't have guys like Pat Patterson and Triple H and Stephanie McMahon coming to your school, uh, whether it be to evaluate talent or just to speak to the wrestlers, uh, unless you're doing something right. So I think everybody got it and said, hmm, okay, this guy I'm training with now, yeah, he's established. He's a damn fine trainer, but I can get – that little extra something if I go to 100 Belmont Street, North Andover, Massachusetts, and train at the Chaotic School, the Chaotic Training Center, now New England Pro Wrestling Academy. That was it. That's what made the local workers become so invested in being a part of this product. Rich, the name of the show was Let the Chaos Begin because that is what fans in Woburn and Lowell and Hanover and wherever we run really can expect to hear right before the show actually kicks off and starts. Um, how did that all come about? And um, when did you when did you start using it? Was it just something off the top of your head? And you go, hey, son of a gun, I like that. Or let's talk about let's talk about let the chaos begin on let the chaos begin. Um, I think first of all we had T-shirts that said it. Okay, right then there. I can't remember if somebody told me to just do it. Um, but there were t-shirts that said, let the chaos begin chaoticwrestling.com on the back. And that was a big thing. Don't forget in 2000, we didn't have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You had a good old website right? and it had to be damn good to get people to be interested in it. Um, so that was the, one of the other things I noticed not to go off topic, but I just noticed first show they, these guys already have merchandise and they're plugging our website and talking about this and talking about that and branding each one of their contracted performers with their own merchandise that was the biggest difference so i think the let the chaos begin it was just a natural thing it was chaotic wrestling and i guarantee you when jamie hears us back he's gonna be like i told him to say that yeah no, I, it, does, it doesn't even matter if it's true it doesn't even matter if it's true he's gonna say it rich it doesn't <laughs> even it, 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 it's, it's it's moot whether it's true or not jamie's gonna take full credit for it um I'm sure. <laughs> one of the cool things about chaotic wrestling and that a lot of fans can you know attest to that are in the area is in my short time there, or, you know, geez, it's been almost five years now. Cool. Gulp. Um, but in my time there, there have been a lot of great names that have come and gone, whether it be United Grand Slams, whether it be guest appearances, surprise appearances, people like Mick Foley and Rob Van Dam, Cody Rhodes. These are just uh, William Regal, all names that kind of come to mind that have come in and out, just like I said, in recent memory, yet alone. You know, I know that you guys have... You know, Chaotix had the Honky Tonk Man, and obviously some guy, some people that have become 
stars after Chaotic Wrestling, Sasha Banks, etc., etc. But my sure. question to you is, in a chaotic ring, whether it be announcing them and you mean like, holy crap, I'm announcing this person, whether you're doing commentary and me going, oh my goodness, I'm doing commentary right now for this wrestler. Has there ever been somebody that Chaotic brought in that, you know, maybe starstruck you a little bit or was a very cool personal wrestling moment for you as an announcer? I mean, anytime anybody that's been on the grand stage, the, the national stage or worldwide, it's it's always a big thrill to me because I'm still like the biggest fan of professional wrestling. Uh, Jamie will tell you I'm, I'm still a mark for this business. Well, guess what? So is everybody else that's affiliated with this business or else we would not be doing it. Right. So I'm always um, starstruck by somebody that, especially if it's somebody that I grew up watching, and idolizing, getting to work with them. I mean, I'd say the most nerve-wracking was the night we had John Cena. Sure. Uh, no pressure. And no pressure because we had prototype John Cena, you know, before he had signed with WWE when he was working for UPW out in California. Yep. Um, but then when we had WWE champion John Cena as a guest referee, um, you know, that was nerve-wracking because I wanted to make sure whatever I said was I, – I always say – I want to say it so that if Vince McMahon or Stephanie McMahon or, um, you know, a Howard Finkel or somebody were to see what I do, that it would make enough of an impression. And so, um, you know, so it's always nerve wracking because you don't want to flub up. We talked about it earlier. Has there ever been a time where I've like messed up a name and stuff like that or forgot something? Of course. But when you're dealing with, you know, legends like like the names that you've mentioned yeah you want to give a good first impression um and not screw it up but i'm always starstruck um i mean we have i mean i know this is this is airing um um you know uh early july but i mean we're a week out from having x-pac on a show right um teaming up with jt dunn on july 13th in lowell i mean i'm excited to work a show with X-Pac. I've never done a show that X-Pac was on. So, I mean, that's kind of like a big deal for me. I might have to take that back. I might have worked with him once before. But to me, it's like that's a big thing because I remember watching him in Global as the one, two, three kid. Um, you know, these are the things that – I'm sorry, not even the one, two, three kid, the lightning kid. Uh, one, two, three kid was, you know, obviously what WWE gave him. But, you know, anytime there's a big, big star on the show, I just want to, you know – be more on my A game than always. That's all. Than I, usual. I've had the privilege of getting to have some very, very cool experiences because of Chaotic Wrestling. Um, I've driven around with Rob Van Dam, which is an experience I'll both never forget and kind of don't remember. Wink, wink. Um, mm -hmm. I've gotten to drive around with uh, badass Billy Gunn, um, Cody Rhodes, while he was the Ring of Honor champion. He and I had lunch. He actually bought me an orange lemonade. Oh, here we go. It was very nice. It was very it was great. Ooh, it, that, ooh, that really happened. But ironically enough, the only time that I was like really, really blown away, and maybe it's because of who he is and he's so big and so boisterous, but I drove around and spent the afternoon driving around with Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and there were just mm -hmm. sometimes when I just looked over, he was in my passenger seat, and looked over, I'm like, I'm driving around with the Million Dollar Man, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it was just like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, cool, you know what I mean? It's just and surreal. Yeah, that's like that's that's the super fan in all of us. I mean, that's those are the moments. I mean, I will never forget when we had Chase Del Monte against 
that's the honky tonk man. Yeah. And I, I remember just sitting at that table and honky tonk did like the whole song. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's 1987 all over again. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Warri- but warrior's not going to come and save us. No, <laughs> no. At that point, I think he could have, but, yeah. but no, but it, it's funny because you talked about, um, driving with Rob Van Dam. That was after that night of grand slams. And I was assigned, uh, I guess I volunteered cause I've, I'd known Van Dam from the ECW days. So I had, you know, word was going around, Hey, can anybody take Rob back to the airport Saturday morning after that Friday night show? So I said, sure, no problem. I was going to be staying in the Lowell area anyways. I don't know if you guys, if you picked him up or drove him back to the airport. Um, but I was supposed to drive him to the airport Saturday morning, but somebody didn't answer his phone. Um, his hotel phone, yeah. his cell phone, nothing. And that was Mr. Van Dam. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I got a t- Jamie was just like, you know what? If he's not up, we'll get him on another flight. We'll get him to the airport later. Go home, go see your family, do whatever you got to do. Yep. And I got a text from Van Dam like a half hour into my ride home. Sorry, Rich. I was so sleepy. And I got like sleepy face emojis yep. on my phone, which I guarantee you, I probably still have the text message. Yep. Um, because, well, it's from Rob Van Dam. So, I mean, hello, you know? So, my, my experience with Van Dam was we were at the Grand Slams and he, it was the autograph session was like wrapping up before the show, right? So, all those like meet and greets that happened before the show were wrapping up. And Chase comes up to me and he goes, Rob left something at the hotel. Would you be able to give him a ride? And I go, yeah, of course, I'll give Rob Van Dam a ride, no problem. And Chase goes, and I picked you for a reason, you know, if maybe you wanted to help him out on the way there. And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Uh-huh. And, and Rob Van Dam um, took, let's just say imbibed, uh, like, I feel like Rob Van Dam is powered by smoke like a locomotive in the 40s. <laughs> um, it was uh, unbelievable. And I remember looking over to him. And I go, hey, buddy, you got a match in like 45 minutes. He's like, I know, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And so like, I could take full, I, not full, but there is partial blame if he was a little foggy during the match. But no, afterwards, it's not on me. He got his own ride home. and But I can tell you that... He, I can imagine him being exhausted. <laughs> like I can just oh like, it, it was like a dragon. It was like, it was like sitting next to a dragon. It was like, it was like unbelievable. The Van, um, Van Dam Express is right, what you're saying. It, honest to God, like it was like, it was like somebody's, like he had like a, like a bilge and there was like eight grown men throwing coal into Rob Van Dam. You know what I, you know what I mean? It's like unbelievable. Um, Rich, before we that's, wrap up the, that's awesome. it was, it was, I'll never forget it. It was unbelievable. Um, Rich, as, uh, as we wrap up the latest edition of let the chaos begin. So you've met some very, very cool people. I'd love to know again, whether it be, you got to announce the participants or do commentary for the match itself, maybe both. What's the coolest match you've been afforded to see and be part of as a member of chaotic wrestling? Wow. Wow. Yeah. The tough questions. That really is, I, you know, I could have, I could have given you guys could have given me a little more advanced notice for that, because Tommaso would always do that. Tommaso Ciampa would always be like, you know, we'd get into like these tech sessions if one of us was sitting in an airport back in the day, and he'd be like, 
greatest match you ever called in chaotic wrestling. And I'm like, oh, dude. I'm like, there's been so many. So you've had time to think about this. Tommaso Ciampa asked you whatever ago. You've had time. Oh, I did. Of course. I was. <laughs> this was. And the, you know what? Honestly, I'll never forget. I was. I was at LAX um, coming home from a business trip from my real job. And I it probably checked in on social media that I was like four hours early for my flight because traffic wasn't that bad that one time in Los Angeles. And so he like texts me and he goes, you know, I saw you're sitting at the airport. Let's shoot the shit, whatever. And it was right. It was when Tommaso was in ROH and he had blown out his knee. And I know he was rehabbing at the time and stuff. So we we're passing the time. He's like, what was your favorite match? I said, oh, anything you were in, buddy. And he's like, no. No. And honestly, I, I think back, I still think one of the most epic um, feuds that we ever had in Chaotic, and I'm not trying to dodge the actual question you asked, but I think one of the most um, dynamic feuds that we ever had storyline-wise was the American Sasuke Mikazi and Brian Fury. Those matches were just epic, and they were they were just so amazing to call because the one thing I've always said about my commentary there's two things I always say. One, I'm a far better ring announcer than I am a commentator, but I've been doing the commentary for 18 years, but it's still not my strong point. But the other thing I wanted to say about my commentary is it's very organic. There is nothing, there's no script in front of me. There's no, hey, let's hit this bullet point, make sure you talk about this. I know where we're going with storylines, but for the actual matches themselves, it's very organic to me. And there was something about those matches with Fury and Mikazi that just stick out in my mind. And they were just such a thrill to call. Whether I did them justice or not is a completely other way of looking at it. Oh, I bet you did. I bet you did. Yeah. I can't, uh, you know, they, they keep bringing me back. So I got to be doing something right. Yeah. But for some reason, those matches always stuck out to me. And then anything with like Warbeard, Malonis, Fury, it's just... Those are like like if we had like a Mount Rushmore, you know, of chaotic, we would need more than the four heads. But those are just three of the guys who I probably called more matches than anybody else um, on the roster. So it's just like those things just really pop into my mind. Um, I can't really think of any one match, but like I said, the, the Fury and Mikazi matches, the program that they had. They were just amazing and an absolute pleasure to call all of them. It's an honest pleasure to see you every third Friday. I really do enjoy it because that's, in all sincerity, that's the best part about chaotic wrestling. And, you know, you've kind of made the point, you know, throughout the throughout the show that it's just it's a collection of great people. And in all sincerity, you know, Jamie and the ownership have always been great people who run the ship really well. And. You know, right now with Fury and the creative team back there now and the referees and just the the production crew. And I think it's just a, a, a great group of people. There's really no one when I go to a chaotic show and go backstage and when we do the work that I, you know, there's nobody I avoid. There's no one I don't look forward to seeing. There's no one I'm, you know, ducking and hoping that they don't, they're on the show that night. Um, it's just a, it's great people that I think make a, a really, truly special promotion. And you're the voice of that promotion, man. And you're a big, big part of what people have become accustomed to and one of the reasons that they keep coming back. That's a true story. So, I mean, you must know that you're as, about as heavily associated with chaotic wrestling as without exaggeration, anyone that's part of that show. You must know that. I, I, I try and keep as level headed as I can and as humble as I can, but, but I, I do agree. I've, I've built a following. Um, one of the other companies I work for, 
I overheard somebody on commentary um, while I was in the ring ring announcing, and the fans just react to me very well. And I'll never forget one of the guys on the roster who happened to be doing play-by-play for this match said, easily the most over ring announcer I've ever seen in my life. And I think it's because, like I said at the outset, I always wanted to be the ring announcer that I never saw before. I want to be that one that points to that one kid and says, hey, I heard it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Um, you know, somebody actually tweeted me just last night about the one fall thing and how I feel about it when, you know, the fans love to say one fall. You know what? Personally, it annoys the shit out of me. But <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. Although I do have a T-shirt that says it that's available on sale at shows for just 20 bucks. It's but conflict of interest, Rich. <laughs> no, but I do hate it. But at the other at the other end of that spectrum, I said, you know what? I don't like it. But if any fan is going to plop down their hard-earned money to come to whatever show I'm announcing on, I'll I'll do the dramatic pause and let them do it. You know why? Because they paid their ticket. They feel like they're part of something. Who the frig am I to deny them that? In all honesty. But um, but no, I, I appreciate the kind words and and. I will quickly get off of that soapbox and go right into the thing and just say to you guys what a difference you guys have made um, since joining Chaotic. What was it? Has it been five years? It's about, Almost. It's about yeah, four. Yeah. About four years, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a difference and uh, really helps with the promotion as far as social media um, things like this, helping me, you know, walk through things and getting set up on Skype so I can do an interview while I'm on vacation with my family. I mean, you guys have been more than gracious and great to me. And I mean, I've been in your studio now being a part of the network. Um, I mean, thank you guys for everything you do. I mean, all three of you. I mean, it's, 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 I think it's one of the things that kind of separates us from everybody else too, is having, um, a critically acclaimed podcast um, network that you guys have. Um, congratulations on the all in deal. I, I keep, I keep saying to Jamie, I'm like, how many listeners do we have before we get invited to go to Chicago too? <laughs> <laughs> we'll work on it, man. We'll bring you with us. Uh, but no, That's, but, but thank I mean, you. I can get you guys coffee. I can get you bottled water. Ooh. I can crowd control deal. I mean, okay. I'm there. Wow. Um, but no, seriously, you guys have really made a difference, especially in the, the, the past few, four years. You went from the guys that I would point out as your family-friendly, friendly fan ring announcer, being like, hey, new age insiders in the house. I didn't know you guys. Just knew you were the guys in the front row with the title belts. Yep. Yes. <laughs> oh, and, Jesus Christ. Yep. <laughs> and Told you it would work. Frog Valor. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. It's just funny how things come full circle because I still think back fondly to you guys being in the front row. And then I think about all of us backstage at the Lowell Auditorium and you guys are introducing Frog Balor to Bailey and Finn Balor. I mean, yep. how effing cool is that? Life is pretty fun. amazing. Life is life is wacky, man. But honestly, it was a no-brainer for the, the New Age Insiders to get involved with Chaotic because it was a special place. And like I, I sincerely mean it. Um, special places are comprised of special people, and that's what it is. And it, it's it really is. It's awesome. And uh, uh, Rich Palladino, uh, first of all, congratulate Hall of Famer 
Rich Paladino. Yeah. So congratulations there. Um, Hall of Fame ring announcer uh, Rich Paladino, the voice of Chaotic Wrestling. I realized that, no, I did not introduce myself to kick off this show. So if you're new, if you uh, don't know who I am, my name is Jason Maltov. Bill Neville is producing this show. We are the New Age Insiders. You might have heard of us. We're live every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock on NewAgeInsiders.com. But that's not what this is about. This is about Let the Chaos Begin, celebrating an outstanding promotion that's still going strong. Uh, when you're listening to this, you can still get tickets to July 13th's event featuring, as Rich said, WWE icon X-Pac. They will be coming to Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, which is always a homecoming for the promotion and a great time. If you've thought about going back to Chaotic, if you thought about checking out Chaotic for the first time, chaoticwrestling.com slash tickets will get you there. See X-Pac, see us, and uh, of course, most importantly, see Rich Palladino, the host of Let the Chaos Begin. Um, so Rich, uh, thank you so much for letting me fill in for Jamie. We really appreciate getting to jump in and hearing the stories. I could talk to you about wrestling all day. Um, and I'm sure I will on Friday. But uh, So on behalf of uh, Jamie Jamikowski, who is out in the Hawaiian Isle because he is a wealthier man than I, uh, and Rich Paladino, the voice of Chaotic Wrestling, thank you for joining us on Let the Chaos Begin on a For the Pops New Age Insiders Pop Network collaboration. We will see you real soon. Go to Chaotic, check it out. And of course, as always, let the chaos begin. Chaos begin.